this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host ji sampat india's public distribution system its ration shops through which subsidized food grains are distributed to the poor is the largest such welfare program in the world it is a lifeline that saves millions from hunger but for some years now the union government has been running pilot projects where fortified rice that is rice enhanced with iron and vitamins is being distributed instead of natural food grains the reason given by the government for this switch is that it will reduce anemia in the population but a great number of the poor especially the adivasi communities who have been getting this fortified rice are rejecting it they're calling it quote unquote plastic rice among those who have tried consuming it many especially people with sickle cell anemia have been falling sick the fortified rice is currently distributed in select districts in various states and despite reports that there is no adequate quality control the government plans to scale up scale up fortified rice distribution universally from march 2024 so is there scientific evidence that fortified rice is the best solution for anemia does india have the infrastructure to test the rice kernels before distribution and what exactly is driving this mega push towards fortified food grains when there are local alternatives with higher iron content we discuss all this in great detail in this episode of in focus and we have with us anumeha yadav a journalist who has reported extensively on this subject anumeha welcome to in focus and thank you so much for joining us thanks so much sampat thank you so much for having me uh, anumeha to start with i was wondering uh, for the benefit of our listeners if you can give us a quick overview of the entire fortified rice scenario right now when did this initiative from the government start what is the scale of the various pilot projects right now and what does it mean when you say in your uh, report uh, that it is going to be universally scaled up by march 2024 so sampatha uh, uh, i'll also just share a bit of a caveat that i i'm a labor and social policy reporter and how i came to this is um, that uh, you know i'm looking at within social policy uh what happens with nutrition what sort of solutions are being offered for it what makes sense what doesn't and what i'll be sharing with you is based on my research and of course interview some right to information applications and so on so i'm no of expert of course but this is based on whatever i read and learned through interviews um so um, um prime minister modi had first mentioned food fortification policy in a radio program in his radio program uh, in august 2019 but i think most indian residents first heard about it when he announced it in his independence day speech in uh, august 2021 and after that it's it seems from then to now it's rapidly scaled up uh, this program and uh, as you mentioned that it's being done uh, in the public distribution system so uh, perhaps as our readers um, as the um, audience knows that um, under the national food security act of 2013 Uh, the poorest two thirds of the Indian population gets subsidized grains. This is about like uh, almost six hundred million tons of food grains, of which, uh, sorry, six hundred uh, lakh metric tons grains. Of this, three fifty lakh is rice. And what the government has decided is that the rice that they are giving won't just be ordinary rice. For every hundred grains of ordinary rice, they will mix one grain of fortified rice grain. And what a fortified rice grain is that, um, say, a manufacturer uh, takes. broken rice or rice powder and into that uh, in a factory they are mixing a micronutrient powder containing iron and vitamin b12 and folic acid in this case and then they are passing it through a uh, equipment something similar to what is used to make pasta and then they are take making that into a paste and making that paste into a grain so in that way it's a bit of an artificial grain or a factory made grain which they are saying that um now this is enhanced with nutrition and when people eat this this will be better for their health and for um, fixing india's problems of anemia and malnutrition so the government actually started it in about 2019 with the uh, pilots in 15 districts in 15 states these pilots themselves didn't really scale up and didn't go very well maybe we can come to that later what were some of the causes so it started with these pilots it um started uh, first giving it in children schemes 
India has a school lunch program, the midday meal scheme, now called PM Poshan. Um, uh, that the rice that being served to children first it was given in in that in those meals, then it started giving it in the ration system in the hundred twelve poorest districts, then scaled it to two fifty districts by that was about twenty twenty two. Um, and uh, last year onwards, it started scaling it up in the public distribution system in the ration, the the rice people get at the ration shop, and it plans to cover all districts of India by March 2024 in each of these schemes, in the Anganwadi scheme, in school lunches program, the midday meal program, and the public distribution scheme. So that's where we are at right now. And I think in my report when I last read the figures in October, it was about 17.7 lakh metric tons of fortified rice was being given out in. these various welfare schemes right so uh, how many uh, districts uh, are not covered uh, under this uh, under the pds with this fortified rice scheme as of today like what percentage of people who get rice from the pds are getting fortified rice and what percentage is not uh, not covered um so i think it's nearly almost covered now currently sampath whoever is getting rice now is in most states getting this perhaps like some small uh, areas may be remaining i i wouldn't be able to tell you exact numbers but it's nearly actually right now fully in ration whoever's getting rice is getting fortified rice okay okay so this march 2024 uh, is is basically for extending it across all schemes instead of just the main uh, pds one yeah yeah that all three schemes will by then that you know that was sort of a target they had set for themselves but it it is quite uh in in wherever where uh, i have inquired most people are already getting this in some areas it only started last year some areas it started in uh, two years back now since 2023 many districts are already getting this okay okay so uh, anume i was going through uh, your uh, your series of reports on this entire uh, phenomenon and uh, and i find that you know you have cited government officials who are claiming that uh, there are many scientific studies which uh, which sort of give evidence that fortified rice reduces the risk of iron deficiency by 35% now is that a valid claim and what is what is what have you come across with regard to this uh, especially in your on ground uh, report and field work um so sampath one of the things i found which was peculiar and i wasn't really expecting this when i went in and there wasn't that much known about it was that when you look at the government correspondence that's available on this and there i should credit the reporters collective because they actually access some part of government correspondence which they published or made public on their website and then i went through this was about like almost 1500 pages of government correspondence so they almost made it like a public resource so i used my right to information applications and also used this correspondence and if you go through this correspondence you'll find that they rely on very particular set of evidences which is primarily from a few entities so there are some studies by tata trust some studies by an american ngo called path um little bit by uh, world food program and um, uh, the particular figure that you mentioned i came across it uh, in a food ministry letter where they were saying that um, as per the world health organization rice fortification with vitamin and minerals in including iron reduces risk of iron deficiency by 35% which leads to estimated gdp gain of about 49000 crore so they are what they are trying to say is that this iron deficiency will reduce somewhere there is an imp- they are implying that anemia will reduce and because anemia affects people's ability to work and be active so so many man days get affected by anemia and then because um, that won't happen then a gdp gain will result as well when i started researching this figure um i found that what the who guideline that they are quoting actually says something else it's in fact summarizing something which is a cochrane system review so uh, among i think it's a it's a um, system of review of medical studies that a group of medical experts go through say there are 25 to 30 most current studies on an issue and they try to summarize what the findings of that is and in this particular case in fact it says a slightly different thing it says that maybe this sort of fortification can probably literally the word they use is probably improves iron status by reducing risk of iron deficiency by 35% and may increase the average concentration of hemoglobin by a certain point but and now here i quote may not make a difference to the risk of anemia in the general population of those age over 2 years of age 
so what it's saying is that when you start giving people as this supplemental iron maybe it reduces the risk of iron deficiency by a little bit but it may have no impact whatsoever on anemia whereas in um, in a lot of the government documents they are going on saying this is linked to the anemia crisis in india and the nutrition crisis but the medical experts themselves seem fairly divided on what whether it can really impact anemia or not and i think one of the reasons for that is that anemia itself is not such a simple thing it's not just iron deficiency which causes it in fact this comprehensive national nutrition survey of the ministry of health recently has shown that about half of um, um, you know less than half of all the anemia cases in india are because of iron deficiency there are other issues like there are subclinical inf- infections there is inflammation those are also somewhat related to nutrition poor nutrition but it is not just iron deficiency which causes it it's a fairly complex issue and so to th- then to think that if you simply add iron in someone's diet does it necessarily get absorbed does it necessarily improve um, anemia that may not happen and like i mentioned the sources of studies that they are relying on uh, they were a bit uh, i found it a bit tricky because those organizations whose studies they are citing several of them which are who are funding these studies then also it's a bit complex because they also have link to some of them directly have links to nutraceutical corporations so it becomes a bit uh, strange you know why are you going only by a certain set of studies who are already advocating for this particular approach rather than maybe keeping a more open mind to all kinds of studies by various experts who may differ with it or not literally the studies they quote in the government documents is just one after the other is just like we went and studied this we found this improvement um but it's not like not necessarily it's not that all of them are peer reviewed or really critical studies and then there is other medical evidence which is this cochrane system uh, review where it's saying it's not clear what does it do to anemia right so there is clearly uh, a question mark over whether fortified rice can reduce uh, anemia in the population medical opinion is divided and and from what i gather is that the government officials have gone by uh by cherry picking uh the studies that they would like to use uh, for making this claim but to but on the flip side uh there also seems to be uh, based on your uh, reportage and also other reports that th- th- there are some kind of medical issues with uh, a fortified rice being consumed a certain kinds of people with certain medical conditions have been uh, reporting adverse reactions can you talk a little bit about that anumeha so sampath i'll clarify that you know it's not so clear um it's not so clear that oh the because they that iron fortified rice is because it is why they had an adverse reaction or so on it's more that public health officials are cautioning that what you're doing is that india already has an iron supplementation program uh, in which capsules are made available to especially to pregnant and lactating women and adolescent children to uh, consume iron uh, supplement tablets now on top of it you're giving a little bit more iron in this rice on top of it there may be other sources in which they get it maybe through some vegetable and so on and iron is one of these um, elements which uh, our body doesn't need too too much of it you know the other area i think where we all may be more familiar with fortification is in iodized salt the thing like how experts have explained this is that when you consume iodized salt even on that actually there's a fair bit of debate what is good what is in where is it appropriate and not but salt is still consumed in a limited quantity you can only have so much of salt in the day or only so much of salt in your food but there is there is a scope to sometimes over consume iron and there are some particular individuals with particular conditions who will not whose bodies will not be able to process this excess iron in fact that they, they can even face something as serious as organ damage if if it's given to such populations um so these include people such as those with thalassemia in which this is again a, it's a it's a inherited blood disorder in which your body doesn't make enough hemoglobin um so you may think oh giving iron to such a person may help them make hemoglobin but that's not really what happens their body mechanism is such that it is not able to absorb this iron to make more hemoglobin so where where the people with the thalassemia and uh, sickle cell anemia sort of excluded from some of the early studies pilot pro, st- pilot studies of this fortification program yeah i think it's something like this like you know how most studies for medicines will simply exclude pregnant women and lactating women for example of experimenting on them right similarly here um, because these people these individuals are sensitive and have um, a, a blood disorder obviously they cannot be made part of such a study 
so the effect of what exactly will be on their these people is not known government uh, itself has quoted a particular study by the tata group in garchiloli district where in fact when i read the paper it says we did not study these these people we excluded say 10% of the population in these two districts because we found they had sickle cell anemia so even that study which is propagating this approach is avoiding giving it to those people because they understand there's a bit of a risk and technically so what i was explaining was more that technically doctors say that these groups their bodies it's not clear how this iron will impact them so medical papers show that in some cases it can cause organ damage in some cases it's not it's simply unknown so there is a need for caution in such a case right instead um, what's happened is that even though india has the second highest burden of sickle cell disease in the world and almost 10 to 12000 children are born every year with thalassemia b um so these are fairly significant numbers but still when you give it to a population like this that everybody who's getting ration everybody who's getting rice in the ration will now get this rice with which has this extra iron you're giving it without really understanding that you know somebody with say sickle cell anemia may end up having it or thalassemia may end up having it and nor do they really have this information so what government has done is the ration bags have a warning says if you have thalassemia or sickle cell anemia please don't eat it that warning is in english and anyway when the ration is given out it's given as loose grains so it's it becomes a meaningless sort of warning so it it itself is admitting that these groups should not have it but it's still being distributed uh, openly as okay, open let us assume that uh, this uh, let's say a, a, an adivasi uh, farmer living in the jungles of uh, chatisgarh or jharkhand is is able to understand english fluently and is read this warning and is aware that he or she is having thalassemia or sickle cell anemia and therefore does not want to consume these fortified rice what options do they have do they have is there any other channel from where they can get uh, uh, normal normal grains from uh, a pds uh, shop yeah no good question because there isn't any choice uh, like if you're a poor person and you dependent on ration rice and suddenly your ration rice is coming fortified with these particular micronutrients in actually in most cases people still don't fully understand what's what's being given some of them identified as distinct but they don't fully understand what it is and uh, yeah there is no choice because if you depend on these food subsidies you cannot really forego them uh, but i should add here that uh, a few months back food ministry has said that it will ask the food safety authority of india the food regulating body to remove the warning they saying no no actually we think that the quantity that is being given in is so small that it may not cause real harm but there are a lot of debates about these issues and one would think that the least one has to do is uh, do no harm you know the principle of if you're trying to do social good or social welfare perhaps the minimal principle is do no harm and here one doesn't see that kind of care uh, of do no harm because here some of these are uh, the question is uh, the results are unknown you haven't really carefully studied it it's not really possibly probably fully safe to even study it um uh, and in some international settings where it's been studies we we mentioned thalassemia and sickle cell anemia but people with tuberculosis um people with um, malaria people who have very severe malnutrition those individuals also find it difficult to uh, remove this excess iron from their bodies so basically what doctors explain is that people with all these four five kind of groups that we have discussed recently may find it difficult to get rid of the excess iron stores from their body it can deposit in certain organs and it can affect their health in an adverse fashion as well so some of the who guidelines say oh, if you if, if you're giving it in a area with say if it high malaria levels for example you have to really like screen it monitor it be very careful but as we know like this is not how public health works in india that in a lot of the areas which have a lot of malaria in fact there is very little a very active um, poor health infrastructure on the ground so where will this kind of monitoring come from to really study the effects very carefully and maybe there's i mean there's definitely a need there to have given people an alternative and to have communicated more clearly about the risks right but the fact remains that there is no uh, alternative uh, for a poor person who may have anemia to get uh, rice which is not uh, fortified no secondly uh, anemia there is also uh, the claim uh, the government has made uh, in terms of justifying this sudden push for fortified rice through the public distribution system to a population 
or set of communities that don't really have an alternative or a choice not to consume this kind of uh, rice. And the justification given by them is, of course, to combat anemia, to combat malnutrition. And uh, also at the same time, as you have reported, there was no baseline evaluation of anemia before the pilot projects began. So if you want to combat anemia in a population, you just need to first find out. It's, it's, not, it's common logic, right? You first find out how much anemia... What is the incidence of anemia in the population at first? And then you go on and monitor uh, once you start your pilot project, how it is getting affected. But without a baseline evaluation, how uh, how do we take this claim that you know it's, it's about combating anemia? And also, I think there's not going to be any more uh, data collection on, on, on these nutrition profiles of these populations anymore. Is that, is that the case? Um, yeah, when I saw, so I, I asked this information from the Ministry of Food in a couple of right to information requests and they did not mention. I asked like, are you evaluating it? Do you know of other bodies who are evaluating it? And they haven't really responded with anything clear on that. This issue that there's been no baseline evaluation, uh, it's been flagged not just by reporters such as me, but by the Niti Aayog, the government's own uh, planning body, which studied this scheme in seven districts in 2021. Um, in they went to seven different states and that's one of the things they pointed out that if this is the aim why hasn't there been a clear baseline evaluation a baseline means that when you're studying something you say this was the starting point so that you're able to compare say a year later or two years later that this is where after this this was the difference after this intervention was done so Niti Aayog's own study has pointed out that um, there hasn't been a clear baseline done or there's no clear monitoring being done which should be the least, like you pointed out that, you know, that's the least you would want to do if you think you're doing some, this scientific sort of technical intervention. And yeah, one wonders why isn't that being done more carefully. Um, if it's studying something more confidentially, actually even this Niti Aayog has remained, the the report is not public. It's been it's been made public, but uh, that was more as a leak. Uh, it was, it, it it mentioned that it's a confidential report. And it's it, since it's a public issue, there is a need to debate this further. And even on a small scale, maybe one should, in fact, be actively be, they should be communicating with people how, what is this like? Uh, so does that justify using funds that way? Does it justify subjecting certain population to a risk in this fashion? Does it justify putting one's energy uh, and, yeah, public, you know, um, uh, funds on such a intervention? Right. And and uh, you, you spoke earlier about uh, certain problems uh, in the pilot uh, pilot projects, uh, pilot studies. So what has been the public's response uh, to this fortified rise? What, what did you discover in your reportage? Did you come across actually anyone who said, oh, they're loving it, uh, they, it it's really great, I mean, we love this rise? Uh, so one is that the since you did mention the pilots, uh, the former food secretary, uh, Sudhanshu Pandey, is on record. He mentions that the pilots have not been successful. Uh, he mentions that that's because uh, when he was trying to study it, he found that the infrastructure is missing. The laboratories to test these is missing. Um, there's no uniformity of standards. So they were finding it difficult to even really try it out. Um, then while doing the pilots, they did not study this baseline thing that we mentioned. You know, They did not study the health impacts. The food ministry simply tried to roll out that when we try to do such an intervention, how will this go from the rice mill to the factory to the ration shop and so on? So they tried to test the logistics of the scheme, not really either the impact of it or the whether people want it or like it. Um, the government's own documents again show, I think there's, this is a, a finance ministry document which mentions that this is premature because the results of the pilot are not yet clear. They mentioned that uh, the pilots, though they were supposed to be pilots in 15 states, seven of them did not even take off. Many of the state governments were not really interested. I think they were not really convinced. Still, they went ahead with it. Um, in my reports, what I tried to do was that, okay, you know, uh, sitting in a capital city or so on, you have um, the policymakers have one kind of idea. But if one goes and asks people, what do they really think of it? Is there acceptance of it? Do they like it? Do they think this is a good idea that it's been made of? You know, one could argue that this is so similar to what people are already eating that it's not. it will not require, say, taking a tablet for it. So someone who is in favor of this would argue that this is so similar to the food habit that maybe people will accept it more easily and it will help their nutrition profile. But what I found was something quite different. Um, so I interviewed uh, um, rice farmers in uh, Odisha and Jharkhand, many of whom are ration card, um, they hold ration card uh, in their states. 
because they are very poor and uh, many of them are rice farmers themselves so you know like say i am uh, i i am from a wheat uh, I, you know my, my own food staple is actually wheat or roti so it was still like uh, but i think for those who eat rice they have their own relationship with that or they have their own understanding of what rice should look like what it should taste like what is the quality of rice when you cook it so they were telling me things like if you cook it the starch is not like uh, go how what good rice should be when we are boiling it the some kernels which are these fortified kernels they simply rise to the surface and um, they look like plastic that's why many of them call it plastic rice so simple so simply i mean you know many of them uh, saying that it just for a food we've been eating since probably centuries or decades you know this just doesn't match what our idea of a staple food is like um and then um, some of them even telling me things such as oh we tried to test it you know we gave it to birds and we gave it to hens even they don't like to eat it how can we trust this so there was simply a lack of uh, understanding of why or something which does not really fully look like rice as they understand it is being given to them um some of them thought that it is plastic or it is artificial someone's telling me like we think it's a chinese export i mean there was all kinds of rumors about it lack of trust in it and there was a complete gap even actually again the niti ayog report also identifies it there's a complete lack of uh, communication of this uh, information on why this is being done or discussion about the people whom this is whom they whom are being experimented upon and it's not just oh there's a lack of public awareness and so on i think the uh, a better way would be like you sit with them and you understand that if you if you want to make some changes in their diets to make it more nutritious what should that consist of rather than you know giving this top down solution here take this fortified grain and eat it and this will solve your problem uh, you asked whether some people were okay with it so i found either people who were completely rejecting it or there were some people who were like yeah initially we separated it now uh, some of us don't mind it we let it go um but there was no great like interest in it or there was more like uh, you know this is just bizarre or so on and some of the local media language vernacular language media have covered this so i think some odia channels uh, they have reported on how people are finding this like they are thinking this is plastic rice and so on and it's generated like you know videos have gone viral uh, explaining uh, that is this plastic rice or something else and like definitely there's no acceptance at all in the community which is supposed to be eating it right no acceptance and uh, neither among the communities and nor among the chickens and pigeons uh, which is uh, <laughs> tragic but uh, anumaya you also mentioned uh, while you were talking about the pilot studies that uh, uh, one major issue in unrolling this program and scaling it up was the lack of infrastructure for testing and quality control so what kind of infrastructure is needed where does india stand in terms of having this infrastructure and if we are falling short in terms of testing and so on then how have we been uh, scaling it up yeah so um, you know this is something which has been again i found in the government documents that which are confidential that several um, uh, so niti ayog studies one that i mentioned then there was a world food program study which even that even though is promoting it is acknowledging that the infrastructure is absent the food secretary himself is saying that the infrastructure is absent and there was also a study by the jamil poverty action lab they you know the the uh, two of their professors won the nobel prize for economics they did a pilot study on it in kadalore in tamil nadu and a lot of these studies find something similar so there's something like this they're finding that the technology to make this rice uh is it still in its infancy in india the kernel is being made in a way where it doesn't quite look like natural rice so it's but natural that people don't accept it or they separate it out the other issue is that you need to do uh something like this very scientifically you know you're saying you will only add 28 uh, mg to 42 mg per 100 g so you need very like pr- proper laboratories uh, blending machines and so on to do this calibration very correctly to make sure this is exactly right and what i was finding was the exact opposite of what you would want for such this perfectly running technical scheme so uh, the some of the people i was interviewing the rice mill owners they were telling me that they were suddenly told to make this switch they were told like oh from say 2 months from now you have to start supplying uh, uh, fortified rice into the public distribution system so far they were giving custom mill rice so they were told overnight you have to get these blending equi- uh, machineries government told them or you will not get the incentive payments we used to give you 
which is like say um, like say one lakh rupees for every five thousand quintals of rice they used to supply. So some of them in a rush tried to get some blending machines. Of course, like some are like oh because it was so overnight we were literally trying to mix that fortified rice into the Russian rice by hand. Some could only afford uh, cheaper equipment for blending, which doesn't really uh, uh, assure good quality. Um, and uh, then uh, there are issues such as there is no process to see. uh you know the the quality of the micronutrients that are being mixed uh the the quality checks on that um it can vary a lot it can you know you can get something for 250 rupees a kilo to 350 rupees a kilo so when you're leaving it to a miller to purchase it obviously they'll need to see what is economical for them then they purchase some low slightly poorer quality um kernel and mix that uh and then those are rejected um another thing is government's protocol says that these should be checked fairly regularly so every batch of fortified kernel rice should be checked uh, checking would mean you take some of these kernels you send it to a laboratory which is accredited by the commerce ministry uh, india doesn't have a lot of such laboratories and the ones that exist uh, they are concentrated in the south whereas say i was reporting from jharkhand odisha where a lot of the uh, ration shops are located because some of the poorest people in the country live there so they have a large proportion of the ration shops there uh and those are the outlets where you need to go and check this rice very regularly but the labs are located somewhere else they may be in the south or they may be near delhi and so on so the time it takes to send a sample to the laboratory and for it to come back that's pretty time consuming so does this mean that most of most of i mean you said that this 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 uh, entire pro- project has been almost scaled up to the entire pds so that means is most of the grains which are being given or uh, are most of them not tested uh, properly so i think that, so testing is happening but a government is not being able to test as much as it itself promised to or what it said in its own um, um protocol for it so for example it say that oh it must be tested from a ration shop with this frequency from the schools at this frequency but i found that that wasn't happening uh, secondly they when they say that uh, you uh, you know that it should match this level the laboratory staff the mill staff some of the implementing agencies even officials are telling me that the results don't match always what is the norm they are saying sometimes we test it it's below what the micronutrient level should be if we test the same sample a second time sometimes it's exceeded that level so it's as if two laboratories are giving two different results for the same sample of rice so all that really requires a lot of standardization and i think for a vast and a very diverse country like ours a lot of where a lot of the mills are very small a lot of the uh players in the public distribution system who who supply these are not very large uh, uh corporations you know they are small mills at the village level or at the district level they simply don't have the equipment and the infrastructure so it's very haphazard it's very uneven some areas perhaps it, it's going on fine some of these rural areas it's definitely not going on fine and government's own reports have flagged this and international agencies reports which evaluated have also flagged this concern uh in fact i don't know if you remember we recently there was a large strike by the uh, by rice millers in punjab thousands of them said that they went on strike because they said government is rejecting their the rice they are supplying because government is saying the micronutrient is not of the correct uh, ratio and they are saying this is not our fault this like they are blaming somebody else down the chain you know they are blaming the kernel manufacturer the kernel manufacturer is saying no it's someone else's fault so it's not been streamlined and uh, it's definitely a very haphazard even right now even as it's been scaled it up right so the entire uh, supply chain uh, seems to have become very complicated from what it was for uh, simple food grains and and what what really also emerges clearly uh, from your reportage is that there really was no demand for fortified rice uh, from any quarter the, uh, nor is there a market for it outside the pds and yet the government has uh, taken it up Uh, in a very big way and given it a strong push uh, despite also these additional challenges in terms of infrastructure there are not enough uh, blending machines for the rice mill owners there are not enough laboratories to test these and even if the laboratories are there to test the micronutrient levels are coming uh, at different ranges uh, for the same sample in different labs so there a lot of streamlining lot of work to be done and yet this uh, this work is going up is you know it's scaling up so what exactly is driving this I mean, you, i mean you mentioned in your report that the food fortification resource center was established in november 
and i believe it is it was uh, taxpayer funded uh, to a large extent so how did this come up and why did this come up uh, so sampatel first uh, go a little you know I'll, i'll go i'll trace this back a little bit from the larger issues which is at stake and which i could understand from the people i spoke with uh, those have been following these issues for a long time that there's a global pattern to all this one is that um, you know that after the green revolution um, a lot of uh, what's happened is that uh, many parts of india which grew pulses millets it got replaced by rice and wheat and diets have become very cereal heavy over time uh, soils have also become more depleted of nutrients and then after that there's a certain kind of um, common processing systems which have come large scale processing systems which have come so each of these aspects has actually systematically depleted our diets of nutrients you know one the diets becoming cereal heavy it simply gives you the calories it doesn't provide you the nutrition secondly a lot of the data recently is showing that the rice and wheat we are eating are not nutritious the soils are so depleted india's groundwater and soils are so depleted that the food we are growing and eating is literally no longer meeting the nutrition requirements or even matching the levels the same food uh, that it had 40 years back compared to now um and then um, uh yeah uh, then the processing that you know you want to make white rice whiter and whiter and you strip its bran layers or you uh, you know instead of doing small scale milling now you're going into more large scale processing of it which is reducing the nutrients so the processing and growing systems have become such that uh, cultivation systems have become such that you are depleting food of the nut- of of its inherent nutrition and this is linked to how we live and how we are making our production systems our economic systems and a way of life in a way you know and if there's a larger issue which is causing these problems you cannot simply come up with like one solution that okay we don't want to touch the other problems we are creating which are more systematic which are more larger scale and they go back go back 40 to 50 years and simply like you know you you're almost like saying there's a problem let's reduce it to chemistry there is one deficiency or one micronutrient we'll go and fulfill it by giving you a supplement um that's really no um uh that that's no solution and that is very short sighted and um it's 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 very um it's really not very well thought out i would say um so that's where i uh, i think that this this thing that you mentioned that this food fortification resource center came in i think government is aware that this is a larger systematic problem but it wants to be able to show some quick result or it wants to be able to show that it's doing at least something about it or perhaps the data looks too embarrassing when you know you are a growing economy or one of the best performing economies of the world but why are your anemia levels worsening in the population or why are your nutrition levels of the population remaining to uh, continuing to remain so poor so i think it's gone in for this silver bullet kind of way a technical fix in this thing and so what we showed uh, what this investigation in the wire shows is that um one of the uh, what i found was that one a lot of the lobbying was being done uh, by this uh, particular hub that had been created within india's food regulatory body it was called the ffrc the food fortification resource center um when i spoke to the food regulating of uh, regulatory officials they said it was a partnership with tata trust but actually what i found was that i mean there was no clear when i asked them for was there a mou what were the terms of these agreements there were no clear um, they said no it was an informal arrangement to work with them the issue is that some of the entities that became part of this food fortification resource center and this inauguration of this was attended by uh, bill gates and people of this uh, uh, foundation um that they were advocating that this is one way to solve india's nutrition problem but some of these entities have direct or indirect links to nutraceuticals so for example the piramal uh, uh, corporation or the tata corporation they own certain food businesses and also nutraceutical businesses but another arm of the same organization the philanthropy arm is saying we will work on under nutrition so activists especially point out that this is this this is there is a potential conflict of interest here you shouldn't just rope in entities who are also linked to other entities who also have a a foot in the food business or who can stand to profit from uh, manufacturing certain supplements or from mani- or importing certain micronutrients a lot of these vitamin making corporations are you know it's a very concentrated business with a few so international so are you saying uh, anumeha that uh, there is a conflict of interest here where for instance a, a company which makes uh, vitamins and uh, and nutrients uh, is 
is ha- is is possibly having a philanthropic arm which is partnering or it's one of its affiliates is partnering with the government and saying we will solve the undernutrition or anemia problem by adding uh, vitamins to rice is is that uh, so in in which case the government or its partners would have to buy uh, these nutrients which would then be mixed with the rice which is then given uh, to uh, to the to the public through the pds yeah so what i found was and a lot of this was shown by you know this uh, there's a group of researchers called asha and then of course there's a right to food campaign which is this grassroots campaign which advocates for universalizing the public distribution system they were also pointing out and i found the same in my research as well that it was as if government has taken this you know there's a ready made solution being offered by certain entities government is inviting them that okay come and become part of our food regulatory body and they are saying we will give you the template you uh, this is a guideline this is the exact way you can make this this is the technology you ought to use and now go and implement it um there are this there's evidence of this which i point out in my reports that some of the language in fact even uses the same it almost actually plagiarizes from say a document by path it they they use a technology called ultra rice the document mentions ultra rice but later when it was pointed out uh, a path is 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 an is a non-profit set up by the bill and melinda gates foundation uh it's a product development organization first started by ford foundation in the 1970s and uh, a lot of its funding currently comes from the bill gates um, foundation the bill and melinda gates foundation so uh, i'll i'll actually uh, again i'll zoom out a little bit <laughs> you know that i think that there's a certain uh, what i found in my research was that when one talks of these sustainable development goals or of development processes etc there's a certain way of thinking which is saying let's achieve these development goals one way which could be say let's go through public private partnerships or let's go through a more corporate way of doing it and there are others who may probably differ uh, from that approach and say let's make it more food based local food based local community based and i think there's a certain attraction in this technical approach or this corporate approach where maybe uh, you know businesses uh, feel there's a profit they can reach poorer consumers whom they otherwise cannot reach and uh, government probably thinks like okay this is a neat kind of solution it gives us something to demonstrate that we are at least working on the problem and um, yeah i think that it's far more complex than i mean it's it's maybe it seems like a simpler way than uh, saying we will slowly work on the problem of malnutrition over the next 10 years through local food approaches or ask the community what kind of foods you need so what i found was in 2016 the food regulator uh, india's food regulator set up this ffrc a lobbying group within its its it's actually its own building it consisted of tata trust nutrition international a canadian ngo path which is a american ngo largely supported by bill gates uh, foundation and um, and the world food program but it remained quite concentrated to just these three four entities and they even currently are the development partners in a way in various states and the one of the criticism is that some of these entities in fact all of these entities have received funds from the gates foundation to work on these issues some of them have direct or indirect links to corporations such as bsf which manufactures uh, some of these micronutrients um there are other corporations like cargill uh, or matt mcdonald um who have businesses in in the sector of food or pharmaceuticals and then um, these organizations then go and um, you know like they uh, government gives them a lot of power gives them a seat at the table instead of opening that to say all kinds of um, uh, civil society actors or researchers or making it more open and transparent you keep it very limited to these entities who then go and implement it and the government gives it say something like 3000 crore per year budget uh this may not seem very large but if you compare it to say its budget for the millets program which is advertises a lot the budget for nutri cereals over the last 5 uh, years it comes to about um 1000 crores or 1100 crores whereas in this in one year you are giving this 3000 crores so it uh, starts to determine like it shows where your priorities are do you want to really go by the millets approach in which you probably need to work harder at that or give it more greater support or better funds and better budget or do you want to go for this silver bullet sort of solution for which there is contested scientific evidence for which you yourself are not evaluating very clearly or transparently and where certain larger food corporations and processors stand to benefit rather than india's small mills or small farmers 
so it's a bit of a contrast in these approaches and there's an opportunity cost when you take an approach like this right i mean a silver bullet approach is uh, definitely the case here and, and, and many would argue that it is not uh, something of an accident i mean there is a structural logic to the state's preference for a silver bullet approach because i mean there are there is there is a well documented stream of uh, critique of of various philanthropic organizations uh, including the one uh, which is involved here the bmgf where you know you have a technology uh, and the technology uh, is used to, with government partnership to create a market and here we do have a new market uh, being created which is for not just the companies uh, which which make this nutrient but also for this product this fortified rice kernels I, mean, you, i think you mentioned uh, several indian companies small ones which have cropped up over the last couple of years to supply these kernels uh, for distribution so a market is being created including for uh, multinationals which have links with uh, philanthropic entities anyway that's a different debate now coming back to uh, this entire distribution of fortified rice anumaya you talk about uh about how uh, international health organizations have insisted on an end point for a fortified food distribution project but is there an end point for india's experimentation with fortified food is there any end point or is it going to be like a permanent thing so i found in the government documents that the director of this food fortification resource center which was a lobby group created within the government itself was arguing that there should be no end point there were some differing opinions within the government including in niti ayog saying no it should be just one approach or it should have a, a an end point and the united nations own rapporteur on food has said that uh, fortification may be a, a good approach only in countries which lack food diversity which is not at all the case in india and those experts have also said they should use there should be a clear exit strategy and you should ultimately the aim should be to enable the community to feed itself more uh, nutritionally Uh, at the beginning of our discussion you had mentioned how um, india's public distribution system also constitutes of a large market and that's also what i got a sense of while working on this that what's happening is that there are 800 million individuals in india who depends on who depend on this public distribution system they become like a kind of a ready market sometimes for uh, organizations to experiment upon or even corporations to make a market out of so of course if there's a business uh, or a corporation nobody has a problem with that as such but if you're getting into public systems there has to be greater transparency there has to be greater um, you know like you should be able to show what exactly were the evidence you went by what what is your response to uh, contradictory claims what is your evaluation showing those are the pieces we are finding missing in this um and um, in that when you start giving this to a population which really depends on those food subsidies which as we mentioned at the beginning they don't have a choice they have to have this fortified rice and not custom mill they cannot get that previous custom mill rice even if they have a particular health condition which government itself says oh then avoid they, those people should not eat it even they no longer have that choice so what it's doing is i think when um, when certain entities and corporations have an interest Uh, say in a particular approach of food production and food systems being maintained that let's not take a radical questioning of why are we using fertilizers a certain way or growing our food a certain way what's really depleting nutrition from our food can we make it more um, can we make it better in some other way uh, can you uh, take the farmer's role in ecology of food production more seriously can you address address structural causes such as global trade and financial agreements which restrict a country from supporting local smallholder farmers you know uh, instead of taking on the larger issues of these food systems you want to reduce this complex question of nutrition and dietary health to like a, a you know a process that you'll simply add in vitamin and in the meantime on the side maybe there's some profit to be made as well so that's a problem in this approach and that's where i think that people have said that experts have said including united nations own uh, experts such as its rapporteur on food that uh, if uh, solutions that are trying to bring in these imported technologies such as fortification are being used they should not create long term dependencies for the communities and they should include a clear exit strategy with the aim to empower communities to feed themselves um, and i think that's especially the case that it's possible for a country like india and government's own talk of millets uh, of the millets program shows that um that there is a lot of interest among local communities yeah this was a contrast i found as well that on one hand you had like say in a state like odisha which government itself acknowledges as one as one of the best functioning 
missions to support uh, millet cultivation and growing farmers had a lot of interest in growing mandiya or millets you know they were saying yeah this is our ancestors crop we used to eat it earlier we can grow it without artificial you know like we can grow it without fertilizer we can grow it without uh, irrigation it's a it's a short duration crop even when the monsoon fails we can uh, grow it and there's a lot of research which shows uh, millets are extremely rich in micronutrients so instead of really putting its energy into that and into more agro ecologically suitable uh, farming practices or even using the public distribution system to distribute more local foods such as like say more fresh food fruits vegetables uh, for those who eat it boiled eggs which has been one of the community's demand or small fish you know a lot of like there's a lot of dietary diversity that already exists in india instead of really putting its energy and funds into how to improve that how to diversify that how to keep food local and fresh in these public systems you're trying to go down with this like one like top down solution where the evidence is not clear where the quality remains very unstable the there is a big uh, the, you know it it uh, actually puts pressure on small players such as small rice mills and where the even the community is not happy with it or they are not seeing the sense and logic of it right thank you so much anumeha that's when i really appreciate uh, your sort of laying it out uh, it's so much clarity here i mean there is definitely an alternative in terms of uh, local grain varieties uh, food diversity as you pointed out i mean uh, you i mean the government did make a lot of uh, uh, noise about millets you know during the G- g20 we heard so much about millets and yet as you pointed out the amount of money which is being invested in millets is like a fraction of the amount which is going to this fortified uh, rice program which really uh, begs the question why this is happening and there of course uh, there are like different uh, possible answers i mean there is this tendency to look for a technical fix where which usually comes with uh, the kind of dependencies you said communities should avoid and the dependency usually comes uh, with the territory which is of course intellectual property payments intellectual property related payments which need to go to the companies which come with this uh, technology and once you have ip coming into the picture there is a captive market for them as well and there is uh, something which has its own uh, logic which continues in perpetuity at any rate uh, thank you so much once again for uh, joining uh, the in focus podcast sharing your observations and insights on this very uh, important topic a pleasure talking to you anime thank you so much sampad thanks so much so good talk to you In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.